Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Christians United for Israel's new bi-weekly podcast, The Middle East Briefing. My name is Kasim Hafiz, I will be your host and you can join me every other week to hear the latest news, in-depth analysis of current issues and biblical encouragement. I will be sitting down with experts, US and Israeli officials, experts from various think tanks, your members of Congress, and talk and discuss with them about the important happenings in Israel and the wider Middle East. Thank you for joining us on this very first episode. You can listen for free at cufi.org, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Please make sure that you subscribe and leave a review to let me know what you think. So as we start our first episode of this new endeavor, there has been a lot going on in the Middle East. Israel, Bahrain, and the UAE signed deals formalizing their ties at the White House. It really was a truly historic moment. While Bahrain and the UAE had no direct conflict with Israel, in keeping with the wider policies of the Arab Muslim world, there was not a recognition of the state of Israel and there were no diplomatic relations. So the signing of this agreement is huge. It really has upended the conventional thinking about the Middle East and this idea that peace between Israel and its Arab neighbors can only happen with the consent of the Palestinian leadership. The Palestinian leadership on both sides, be it Abbas for the Palestinian Authority, the so-called moderates, or Hamas, the terrorists, neither has shown any willingness for peace and has in fact played more the role of obstructing peace between Israel and its neighbors. But this really is, I believe, and hope, a new dawn, and there's already talk of more Arab states joining the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain in recognizing and normalizing relations with Israel. This, I believe, can only be a positive and really lead to a better future for everybody in the Middle East. Sadly, there are, of course, those who are opposed to this normalization. Sadly, there are those who are opposed to Israel's very existence. And just over the border from Israel in Lebanon, we've seen an, an awful situation really being orchestrated by Hezbollah, the Iranian-backed terror group, which is really throwing the country into turmoil. And then recently we had that horrific explosion at the port in Beirut. And while reports are still unclear, it seems that it was ammonium nitrate which Hezbollah had stored there, which had exploded. But again, I don't want to engage in speculation, but that is what the reports indicate. On that theme, very recently in southern Lebanon, a arms depot belonging to the Iranian-backed terror group exploded, uh, injuring several people and sending a new shockwave across Lebanon, which was already grappling with massive crisis in terms of politically and the explosion in Beirut. Interestingly, the reports that came following this explosion some said that the explosion was triggered by a malfunction. Now, I'm not an expert in munitions or ordnance, but if this is a weapons depot for a terrorist organization, there's a number of questions that one has to ask. 
why do a terrorist group have a weapons depot in a sovereign country which has a sovereign military which is receives aid from the United States, Lebanon, to what constitutes a, we- a malfunction for a terrorist organization? I mean, they're, they're questions that I'd like to know, and I guess I probably won't get an answer. Maybe it's for the best. But again, we see that those who are opposed to Israel seem to show no consideration for the welfare of their own people, and in this case, Hezbollah in Lebanon which actually ties into something else that I was reading very recently. The new Palestinian curriculum continues to have the same anti-Semitic elements glorifying terrorism and martyrdom against Israel. So the situation is this. Here we are in 2020 and Palestinian textbooks are still promoting anti-Semitism, still promoting hatred and still poisoning the minds of generation after generation of young Palestinian. Young Palestinian children aren't being told at school that you can be a doctor or a nurse or benefit your community. They're being told that you should go become a martyr. They're being told to idolize anti-Semites and terrorists. I mean, this is hugely problematic and is creating the foundations of a toxic society for generations to come. But look, while we look at this and shake our heads in disbelief, we can't not acknowledge that anti-Semitism is on the rise, has risen right here in the United States. The Anti-Defamation League's most recent audit of anti-Semitic incidents in the United States recorded more than 2,100 acts of assault, vandalism, and harassment an increase of 12% over 2019. This is the highest level of anti-Semitic incidents since the ADL began tracking these statistics in 1979. I mean, this is terrifying. It really is that anti-Semitic attacks have risen to this record level, and that is just the ones that are reported. 2,100, that is an act of assault, vandalism, or harassment multiple times a day, every day for a year. And when we look at that and ask why, there are a number of reasons. One of them has to be education. A recent study has shown that nearly two-thirds of U.S. young adults aged between 18 and 39 are completely unaware 6 million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. One in 10 of those believe Jews caused the Holocaust. 11% of the respondents believed that Jews were responsible for the Holocaust. 15% say they thought the Holocaust was a myth or had been exaggerated. 20%, a fifth, said people talk about the Holocaust too much. Nearly half of those asked said they had seen Holocaust denial online. So we can't shy away from this issue that anti-Semitism is rising. We've seen it in the most deadliest of ways in recent years, right here in the United States. Even just a few days ago, 
at San Francisco State University, they hosted Palestinian terrorist Leila Khaled. Now, Leila Khaled hijacked multiple planes. And to the extent of her commitment to this cause, one, she has never apologized, never, you know, atoned for doing this. In fact, she's proud of it and and talks about it. But she had several plastic surgeries done to change her appearance so she could engage in more plane hijackings. And this is who San Francisco State University decided that they wanted to speak to their students. I mean, she's a terrorist. Like, if bin, was Bin Laden not available because he'd been, you know, taken out by SEAL Team 6? Was Baghdadi not available also because, you know, the U.S. took care of him? Like, what? what is this that we're having terrorists who are speaking to college students? I mean, it was so problematic that Zoom, YouTube, and Facebook did not allow the broadcast to happen because it violated their terms of use. Yet, San Francisco State itself has not stepped back and gone, this was probably not a good choice. I mean, the mind boggles that we have terrorists who are glorifying their terrorism, who are glorifying their terrorism against Jews in the Jewish state, speaking on U.S. campuses. This is poisoning the minds of young people here. This is why you have some of these skewed views of the Holocaust and the Jews, which I just stated from this recent study. But that doesn't mean we just throw up our hands in surrender. We stand up for what is right. We speak out against evil. And to that end, I can't think of a better guest than the person we have next. So uh, we go to our first guest on the first episode of Kufai's podcast. And we've got a guest that if we, there would be no Kufai without him. So for somebody who needs no introduction, thank you, Pastor John Hagee, for joining us. Asim, it's my pleasure to be with you. Pastor John Hagee is the founder and chairman of Kufai, Christians United for Israel. And I would read out Pastor's bio, but we could be here for a few days. So I've got to go straight into the first question. Some of our listeners tuning in may never have heard of Christians United for Israel. Please tell our audience how God led you to start and what the mission of Kufai is. Hasim, I went to Israel for the first time in 1978 when Don and I took a small group from our church to see where Jesus walked, to see the major events that happened in his life. But my encounter with God concerning Christian United for Israel happened when I went to the Western Wall and I was praying. And I had a list, a, a list of prayer things on my prayer list. And um, as I stopped uh, in between one of the points, I turned and looked over my shoulder and saw an elderly Jewish man rocking back and forth, kissing the Bible with tears on his cheeks. I was stricken by how devoted he was to what he was doing. I turned back and faced the wall, and I felt the Lord say to me, that man is your spiritual brother. 
You don't know anything about him, and he's terrified of you. I want you to do everything in your power to bring Christians and Jews together in a non-threatening environment where all they experience is the love of God. They haven't experienced that for 2,000 years. They need to experience it now. And it was such a heavy thought, just, I just paused for a minute, finished my prayer list, went and found my wife, Donna, who was praying at another location in the wall, and told her what I felt God had led me to do. And she replied, how in heaven's name do you think that you will ever be able to bring Christians and Jews together? They've been squabbling for 2,000 years. I said, I don't know, but I think we're supposed to try. So that's how that we that's how we began. I went home and started a two-year study binge on the history of Israel, the Holocaust, the Crusades, uh, the Spanish Inquisition, and when I we came to a point that we needed to do something specific. Uh, the thing that happened was that Menachem Begin permitted the IDF to blow up the nuclear reactors and uh, terminated the nuclear energy for the terrorist organizations that would harm Israel. Uh, the Blame Israel First media immediately jumped in and started blaming Israel for gunboat diplomacy. And I told down um, we... Uh, need to use this as the opportunity, the door opener to bless Israel uh, and the Jewish people for what they've done. And I went to the Jewish community center, which I didn't know existed, and told them I would like to have a night to honor Israel. They looked at me like I had a strange rash because they were not ready for a Christian to walk in and say something like that. To make a lengthy story short, after several committee meetings, they agreed to do so. They were very suspicious of my agenda, what I was trying to accomplish. But on September, uh, in September of 1981, September 10th, 1981, we had our first night to honor Israel in San Antonio. It was marvelous. There was a divine and supernatural anointing there. We gave a gift to Hadassah Hospital and uh, they threatened to blow up the building while we were there. Now, that in itself was providential because when I was walking off the stage, I said, if these thugs think they can shut us down by threatening us, they've made a mistake. We're going to keep doing this until it goes all over the country. And that's exactly what we did. The Knights to Honor Israel expanded across America, and then uh, in... Uh, 2006, when Ahmadinejad started talking about Israel being a one-bomb nation, I said, we need to form a national organization of people by every state in every uh, voter district and to have regional directors, state directors, city directors, uh, that we can marshal thousands of people instantaneously uh, to express their support for the state of Israel. As we sit here today, we, Christians United for Israel, 
have more than 9 million people in the United States of America who have as their objective to stand up for Israel and to defend the Jewish people in all situations at any time. Wow, that's powerful. Um, And it it was the uh, raid on the Iraqi nuclear reactor, Saddam Hussein's, that prompted all of this with the first night to honor Israel. Yes. So, Pastor, you you have this vision, you put it into action, and like you said, today, Kufi is at over 9 million. How does Kufi reach American Christians with the pro-Israel message? Because, as you said, Christian Jewish history has not been the most harmonious, to put it mildly. So, so how do you even begin to reach American Christians with this pro-Israel message? First of all, I was on national television six days a week. That was a great foundational stone. But in addition to that, when we got our infrastructure put together, we now hold more than 50 events every month, usually virtual events during COVID-19. But before COVID-19, we were doing 50 actual events per month where we were having nights to honor Israel, uh, pastors' teachings, and so forth. Then CUFI on campus presence at more than 400 universities nationwide from UCLA to Harvard. We educate millions of Americans through our eight social media channels as well as our website, blog, and daily briefing emails also. We bring 20 groups of pastors, millennial influencers, and students to Israel each year. Now, that's being handicapped right now, but in a normal year, that's what we do. We reach millions through The Watchman. That's our weekly television program on TBN, the largest Christian television network in America, and the Fox Business Network. We have brought 600 millennial influencers, including leading pastors, celebrities, professional athletes, and government staffers to Israel. That's how we are reaching the American people and the world with our message. Wow. So more than a few ways there. Um, So for a lot of people in the Christian community, they would ask, why does Israel matter? Can you share some of Kufi's core messaging and tenets, and more importantly, why should Christians support the state of Israel and the Jewish people? Christians should, should support Israel and the Jewish people because Israel is not a political issue, it's a Bible issue. The Bible begins in Genesis 12 with one of the greatest declarations ever made by God to a man when God made a covenant with Abraham, and in that covenant, that's a sevenfold covenant, He made the statement, I will bless those, Abraham, who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. From that moment until this, that has been God's foreign policy statement concerning Israel and the Jewish people. The nation, the people, the church, the individual that blesses Israel will indeed be blessed of God. And likewise, those who curse Israel will be destroyed by the hand of God. He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Christianity 
needs Judaism to explain our existence. There is no other way around that. Jesus was Jewish, as were the writers of the Bible, the disciples, and the first Christians. We owe the Jewish people a debt of gratitude. Paul says in Romans 15, 27, for if we, that would be the Gentiles, have benefited from their, that would be Jewish, from their spiritual things, it is our responsibility to minister to the Jewish people in material things. So what are the things the Jewish people have given to Christianity? They've given to us the Word of God, every word in the Bible written by Jewish people. They have given us the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who are the taproot of Christianity. They have given us the Old Testament prophets. They have given us the first family of Christianity, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. If you just take Jesus out of the equation, there would be no Christianity. So we owe an awesome debt of gratitude to the Jewish people for the things they have done for us. It's powerful. Um, and really gives a great insight into that. Um, especially, I, I appreciated the statement you said that Israel is not a political issue, it is a biblical issue. So, Pastor, you said earlier on that Kufi really began and gathered steam after Ahmadinejad came to power in Iran and made it very clear that he wanted to destroy the state of Israel and just the anti-Semitic rhetoric which came from him. But in, now we're seeing anti-Semitism right here in the United States. October will mark two years since a gunman shot and killed 11 people wounding several others in the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. The ADL's report in May showed that anti-Semitic incidents are up 100% since 2015 and 12% since 2018. It's a record high. What is Kufi doing to combat this anti-Semitism that is now at our own shores? Well, Kufi is committed to fighting anti-Semitism wherever, wherever it is found. To combat anti-Semitism, that is prevalent and spreading on America's college campuses. CUFI backed the Anti-Semitism Awareness Act, and I was there standing next to the president when he signed that, and I have the official pen that marked that document. In July 2019, thousands of CUFI members attended CUFI's 14th annual Washington Summit to lobby in support of this crucial piece of legislation. In December 2019, this bill came to fruition as an executive order by the president protecting Jewish students. Again, in 2019, CUFI was also launched the uh, Shine the Light campaign in which over 2 million people have pledged to expose anti-Semitism in all its forms, to educate their friends and elected officials about how to identify and condemn the anti-Semitism that's hiding in plain sight. Fight those who would use opposition to Israel policy as a thin veil to hide their hatred for the Jewish state. We also support our Jewish neighbors should they ever be victimized by anti-Semites. Christians United for Israel distributes 
two educational booklets, The War Against the Jews and the Sin of Silence, that cover the history of anti-Semitism and the horrors of the Holocaust, as well as Christian complicity in that genocide. I encourage every person who listens to get those two educational booklets. Give them to your friends. Spread the message. Anti-Semitism is everyone's problem. It's not just a Jewish problem. So this October, Pastor, uh, Kufai will be releasing uh, a full-length feature film, Never Again. How will this movie, Never Again, advance Kufai's mission to combat anti-Semitism? And why was it felt the need that now was the time to bring this project to fruition? Haseem, we are debuting our first ever full-length documentary in select theaters nationwide called Never Again. This film follows the journey of a Holocaust survivor, my friend and brother, Irving Roth, and you. It highlights the horrors of anti-Semitism and the parallels we see today. You cannot defeat what you will not define or conquer what you will not confront. The film puts a spotlight on anti-Semitism's dangerous path from words to slogans to murderous actions. It's a wake-up call for Christians across the nation. Anti-Semitism is a poison flowing through the veins of our colleges and universities and some of our American pulpits, and we must do everything in our power to combat it. I'd like to just finish up today. Pastor, can you share some encouragement for our listeners who have taken up Isaiah's mantle to refuse to be silent for Zion's sake. Do you share some encouraging words for them and also some words for those who are still sitting on the fence on this issue? There's no denying that the world has been at war with the Jewish people ever since they dared emerge from Egypt with the power and hand of the Lord on their side. Most Christians do not understand their Hebraic rules and many are unaware of the atrocities committed against the Jewish people in the name of Christ. For centuries, the Jewish people have suffered defamation, persecution, exile, and systematic annihilation. People tag sophisticated labels on anti-Semitism and try to call it innocent. Tags like BDS, anti-Zionism, and the like. But it's still sin, and anti-Semitism as sin damns the soul. Anti-Semitism is not just a Jewish problem, as I said a moment ago. It is everyone's problem. From the Pharaoh's attempt to snuff out the Jewish people by killing male Jewish babies in the time of Moses, to Haman's plot to destroy the Jews of Persia, thwarted by faithful Esther after the Babylonian exile, To Hitler's crazed mass murder of the Jews, anti-Semitism is the world's oldest hatred. And make no mistake, it is alive and thriving today in America, in Europe, and around the world. The Lord God of Israel asks of us, Christians today, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? The Lord has raised up a movement of Christian Zionists standing shoulder to shoulder with our Jewish brethren for such a time as this. 
as terror groups and male violent countries around the world seek to destroy Israel through bombs and boycotts, as anti-Semites destroy synagogues and gun down Jews in their places of worship. This time history must not repeat itself. Christians must stand united with Israel and the Jewish people strongly, resolutely, and unwaveringly. For Zion's sake, we must not be silent. Well, that's powerful. If you are sitting listening to this and you're still thinking, should I get involved? If that doesn't inspire you, I I don't know what will. Uh, That is all we have time for today. Pastor, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you making time to talk to us. Thank you, Asim. It's been my pleasure. God bless you and all the people of Christians United for Israel from coast to coast who are doing everything they can to bless the state of Israel, the Jewish people, and most certainly to fight anti-Semitism. Thank you, Pastor. And of course, thank you for everything you do. And thank you for bringing Kufi to the world. It's given so many of us a powerful vehicle to get behind to truly fight the evil of anti-Semitism. Thank you and God bless you. That was Pastor John Hagee, founder and chairman of Christians United for Israel, the largest pro-Israel organization in the United States with over 9 million members. And once again, I just want to thank Pastor for joining us taking time out of his busy schedule to speak to us today. And that concludes our first episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned something and really hope that Pastor Hagee's words at the end were an inspiration and motivate you in the work of combating anti-Semitism and speaking up for Israel and joining hands with Christians United for Israel please head over to our website, cufi.org, kufi.org, to find out more information about us, what we do, and how you can get involved. We hope you enjoyed this first episode of the Middle East Briefing. As I said earlier, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and on our website, and pretty much anywhere you get your podcast from. If there is a platform that you'd like to see us on, let us know. If you have any comments, suggestions, please get in touch. We're always happy to hear them. Until next time, take care. God bless you. Have a great week. Please keep us in your prayers and keep on speaking up for what's right. Take care. God bless.